welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 250 for June 15th, 2015. On today's show, we're talking about charging your relatives for work and dealing with narrow dados. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, SawStop. After more than a decade, SawStop's combination of safety and precision has made them the number one cabinet saw in North America. Use the interactive tools at SawStop.com to build and price your ideal SawStop, and then find a dealer online or near you. Protect yourself today with... Yeah, almost in sync. Almost perfect. Yeah, Uh, well, we'll get there eventually. I mean, Holland Oats got there, you know. Well, I think they just, that's our last one. I think they got to pay more to get more, so. Oh, well, in that case, they... (laughs) You guys, saw stop if you're listening, you need to do this because you know you want that in unison. Yeah, we're working on it here. Give us some time. Uh, and also a special thanks to a few folks who helped us out with donations. Charles Courtney, Andy Pridmore, and Harry Stanton. Thanks so much, folks, for helping us out. Go to woodtalkshow.com, look in that right-hand column, and you'll see some links for donations. One-time donations or recurring donations, whatever you want to do to help us out is certainly appreciated. And uh, let's see what else. We've got the giveaways. You can go to woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway and enter to win. Uh, we have a t-shirt and we have a project or a semester or something. I should probably have looked at it. That, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we're still in the semester. It's something from Shannon. It's so. definitely something from Shannon. Yeah. So you know yeah, it's it, got to be good. It could be a treadle lathe. Who knows? It could be. It's going to be yeah, good and it's going to be long-winded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Which, speaking of Shannon, he's <laughs> yeah. not with us right now. I don't know if anybody noticed him trying to interrupt me when I'm interrupting him. I know. Well, and hence the reason why we're making fun of him because he's not here to defend himself. It's the best time to make fun, it, fun of friends. It really is. And he's uh, out of town in Austria with his wife on a little vacation. I guess she got a grant or something like that. And they're hanging out in Austria doing Austrian things, whatever, whatever Austrian people do. Yeah. Um, well, apparently he's at a museum and this is kind of funny because I saw this just before we went live. Uh, he was looking at, of all things, um, a treadle lathe or, <laughs> or actually something along the lines of that. And I believe his comment in the picture was, uh, yeah, he was at the museum and the museum curator was not able to explain fully what it was they were looking at. So he took the role of that guy at the museum who knows everything. Doesn't he complain about that guy when people come to his museum? Yes. In fact, I left a comment saying, you should remember that for when that guy shows up at the stepping stone. Oh, classic. That's great. All right. Um, So let's go into what's on the bench. And I'll warn you ahead of time. It's probably going to be a fairly quick show, just not only because we're one host short, but we just don't have a lot of content in the show notes this week. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. So moving into, not really, we need a break. Uh, What's on the bench? For me, I've been applying oil to the rocking chair. Believe it or not, it's all done. What? Yeah, I kind of just, that last lap went pretty fast. I just uh, put my nose to the grindstone and made it happen. So I'm applying some tried and true oil. Uh, Not quite what people know as the Maloof style finish, which is more of an oil varnish blend followed by uh, oil and wax. Uh, In this case, I'm just using tried and true, which is a polymerized linseed oil. And they've got a couple different mixtures. One of them does contain wax that I'll finish up with. And it really just produces just a super nice, natural feeling, satiny kind of finish. Uh, Super, super smooth and not necessarily the most protective finish out there, 
but it does seem like, I don't know, it seems appropriate for this kind of chair. This is the kind of chair you're going to baby a little bit. And in my case, baby it literally by uh, holding a baby on it. So who knows, maybe I should be putting a little bit more poly on there. <laughs> it's amazing what stomach acid can do to a finish. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, but you know what? Hey, better better that than the cloth recliner that we had when uh, Mateo got his stomach virus and uh, did his business all over it. Been there, done that, and that's why we're on our third or fourth one right yeah, now. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, but aside from that, I actually have a little bit of an announcement for anyone who's local to the Phoenix area. I'm doing a Q&A at Timber Woodworking. That's in Mesa, Arizona, uh, with the Arizona Association of Fine Woodworkers. So they're having their regular monthly meeting there and invited me to stop by and hang out with everybody and do a little Q&A session. So I, I don't know where it's going to go or how it's going to go, but I'll be there. You should request the the Q's, maybe the A's ahead of time so that you have an idea of what A's to bring with you. Yes. Can, can you give me all the A's? This will be like um, Jeopardy. Yeah, can we have like a guy in the back with like in some sign cards, maybe using like a Helvetica font so I can see it better? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully I'll be, uh, in a, in, I'll be wide awake and uh, well-rested, full of caffeine so that I could answer questions on my toes and not sound like a moron. <laughs> so if you're in the area, definitely stop by. Let's, uh, let's talk, say hi, hang out. And uh, hopefully prevent everybody from falling asleep. Nice, nice, yeah. very nice. So that what about a good time? Actually, I, I hope so. We'll see. But uh, what about you? Well, the big thing for me was this weekend. Uh, aside from taking Samantha to our favorite barbecue uh, spot Ooh. because she was actually home this weekend, uh, the other thing I did was a little while ago I had the nice folks over at Inventables sent me a X-Carve CNC machine to try out. Whoa. Now, when I had a chance to configure this whole thing, because the whole thing, will, of course, will be that I've got to do a few videos for them. So I am trying to figure out other than uh, simply having it engraved like my name on a piece of on a piece of wood. <laughs> Matt was here. Of, that, well, that's all I could think of. Is I'm like, so what am I going to do with this? I could maybe uh, the Vanderlis house. We could do something like that. There you go. Or, uh, you know, something along. So I'm trying to think of like some various projects. I've been hitting Pinterest hard for this. But more importantly, I finally had an opportunity. We had a big garage sale a couple weeks ago and we were cleaning out the garage and I finally have space to start working on uh, different things to start cluttering it up again. And the X-Carve is what I'm working on right now to try to get this whole thing together. And it's crazy because this this kit is really, really cool. And the idea that you're literally building your own CNC machine, There's it's, they send you this, the parts for it, but you are literally wiring everything together. I'm, I have not like really soldered ever in my life. <laughs> so you actually have to go to that level. Yes, you do. You have to go wow. to that level. They send you all the parts and you, you've got to put it together. So you have to have some idea of electrical work which really scares me because i was splicing wires and i'm like you know that's that's gonna be dangerous i'm not gonna touch that area of the cnc wow and so we'll see what happens so i'm about halfway through it and it probably took me about a day and a half to get to this point uh because there are just so many things that you have to put together the instructions um they're they're pretty decent except if you're the type of person that hates reading instructions or gets really antsy because you keep looking at all the parts and you're thinking, I got to put those together. I got to move faster because that's a lot of parts. Mm-hmm. So, is, so this you, a, is this a loner or a keeper? Uh, this apparently is a keeper. Okay. Well, you're so, doing all the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no <laughs> or, or the question I, is, would they want it back after your uh, <laughs> wiring job? 
That's exactly what I'm thinking is it's probably like one of those, you know what, for safety's sake and our insurance, you go ahead and keep it. It's yeah, yours we don't, now. We don't want that back. Yeah, yeah. You just go ahead and just keep it. The, the one thing I keep thinking over and over is it's just yet again another reminder of there's two things when it comes to anything home improvement. It is best not to ever have me touch. One is plumbing and the other one is electrical. So. <laughs> yeah, let's hire this one out, please. Yeah, so this is going to be really interesting. But for sure, I know you can relate to this also with, with Mateo and the Legos right now. But this is like one of those ultimate Lego kits. And the main thing is just not to go through and rip the bags open and throw them on the table and go, I'll figure it out when I get through it. <laughs> yeah, this is the one that's labeled like 16 plus that we don't touch because it's too complicated. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so it, it's been it's been interesting so far. We'll see where it goes. I think I have it probably, I want to say, 75% done. Now we're getting down to the complicated things where I'm just like... Like really like, okay, Matt, it's time to grow some more patience. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, this is great, man. You got to keep us posted on this because I'm sure a lot of people are interested in this machine, uh, especially yeah. if it's got a little bit of that DIY aspect to it. So you could save a, a bunch of money, but yep. get a lot of functionality out of it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It should be really, really interesting to see. My like Again, maybe it's going to be fun when I fire it up for the first time when we watch the smoke go flying out and I'll be like, oops. <laughs> and I'm looking right now on their website. Uh, they say from $200 for the X carve. And I imagine it just depends on the, the size, right? Because you get different, yep. different length rails and different things in a package with it. Uh, yep. looks like the basic kit is seven ninety nine. They say that's a standard kit with all the essentials for a working machine. You can upgrade components at the, on another page fully loaded. You're looking at 1279, which is, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. really good. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was one of those things that I, and I've seen a, quite a few other bloggers have actually been getting this. I know a lot of people on YouTube have uh, they have one also, but mine's going to be so much more unique. I mean, it's going to have the built in barbecue feature on it more than likely. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I ended up going with uh, one that has a, a spindle. They, they sent me the spindle. They're like, do you, do you want to just use like a DeWalt mini uh, router or something along the lines of that. I'm like, no, send me what you got. We'll see what happens. You Give know, me the good and, stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, we'll see what where it goes from here. So yeah, for certain, the big thing is just trying to come up with like a, a really fun project that we can we can see what we could really push this thing to do and and have a lot of fun with it. So Fantastic. it should be interesting. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. All right, moving into what's new. Don't have a lot here, but Matt, you want to give them that one link? Yeah, so this one came in just the other night, and I, I have to put this up, and it's not so much a, look, Mark, other people can build rockers, but yeah. it's like a <laughs> but, uh, friend out of, uh, uh, I consider him a friend, Jeff Miller out of Chicago. But does Everybody, he consider you a friend? Or? Well, we're not going to go there right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there have been times that I'm like, hey, Jeff, is it okay if I call you a friend? He goes, yeah, it's okay if you do. I'm not doing returning the favor. But right. no. Nicest guy ever. He has a really great shop. You probably see him in several uh, magazines, and he's got his own books and everything. Uh, but he has just finished up what is called the Takoda Rocker. And I was telling Mark before we went on the air, uh, this one, I, I had a chance to sit in the prototype. Although Jeff makes so many rocking chairs, I probably was sitting in one that hasn't even been released yet. Mm -hmm. But it is so comfortable. That when you sit in, I, I, I'm not really kidding too much about this when I say I sat in it for like five minutes and pretty much dozed off. It was wow. just unbelievably comfortable. It's got uh, the, the back slats are really interesting. Like imagine a normal back slat that you might see on a rocker and turn it 90 degrees. So yep. the, the narrow end is facing your back, but there's a lot of back slats. So it's kind of like the whole bed of nails thing, not to imply that it's uncomfortable, but when you've got a whole bunch of nails, you don't impale yourself because all those little pieces are supporting your weight. So kind of the same thing. And I imagine that must feel really good, almost like massaging your back to some extent. 
that's exactly the way I was describing it to Samantha last night. I was showing her the picture of it and saying, look, hey, this is just really neat. And you're right, because it's just when I sat into it, the first thing I thought of is like one of those tomato slicers that yeah. suddenly slices everything at once. Right. And I, I remember Jeff going, just sit back. I'm like, you really want to get rid of me, don't you? So I <laughs> just going to slide right it. through it into 20 pieces. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, that just uh, that's better than liposuction. Thank you so much. <laughs> but even like the angle of the seat, it just kind of like it, it drops you into there and it just oh yeah it was just absolutely amazing and it's funny you mentioned like the bed and nails because he also has a chair that is all screw heads like they're the uh yeah the 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 square yeah square drive ones Mm -hmm. and he he has that in his or in his showroom and i've had a chance to sit on that one a few times and it just again it looks like this should really hurt and then you sit in it and you're like this feels amazing yeah yeah this it's a very interesting design i love his work it just has very clean lines to it and the the sculpting work on it is fantastic the seat and the rear legs are one like most of the time your rear legs go right up to your headrest and straight down and connect to the seat and then to the rocker the whole seat just kind of angles back and becomes the legs that go mm-hmm. into the rocker that's really you guys got to go to this uh, to the website and look at this link um, really impressive design yeah, absolutely. So Ooh. it's and if you get a chance and you're in Chicago, say, Jeff, can I sit in the Dakota? And I'll be like, uh, Matt messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. Oh, that's that's the kind of woodworking that makes me jealous. Yes. Yes, All right. absolutely. Let's move into poll of the week from our good buddy, Tom Iovino at Tom'sWorkbench.com. And uh, last week's poll was where do you go for a tool buying advice? And here's how it broke down. We had about 41 percent say online forums. 19% said magazines and books, 14% said woodworking blogs, and another 14 said friends, relatives, and other knowledgeable woodworkers. And then there was one uh, for talking to salespeople at stores. <laughs> How do you think that one fared? Uh, I'm going to say zero. Less than 1%. Oh, so a little more than zero. <laughs> now, that's not at every store. You know, there are certainly woodworking stores out there that have very knowledgeable sales staff, but clearly the majority must not for, you know, I mean, not that this speaks for everyone, but I know my own experience, there are just some stores that I won't even bother. Um, But hopefully, you know, there's, I find that like the mom and pop woodworking stores, generally speaking, will be staffed with people who who know what they're talking about. Um, Oh yeah. They're the people that absolutely are just like, they've, They've had one-on-one with the uh, sales representatives from the manufacturer. They know mm-hmm. all. The, they know the obscure in and outs that you just kind of look at them and go, "I, I just asked the price, <laughs> right?" And the, you know the thing is, like even at Rockler and Woodcraft, it's going to be totally hit or miss. You know, sometimes you'll get someone who's absolutely super experienced, knows the ins and outs of whatever product line you're looking at. And other times you might get someone who just kind of, I don't know whether they're new or what the deal is, where they don't <laughs> know, quite know as much. It's a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, right. but, but you can see it's a kind of a good idea to go there loaded with information before you ask, because then you can kind of immediately know if this person has, you know, the background that you need to get you the answers you want. Or you need to pull like what I usually did when I was a salesperson. I go, oh, uh, sorry, I'm referring to the previous model. They just brought out this new one. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is a new one. No, no this is actually 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the one that kind of gets me is so 19% magazine and books. Now, I would love to see a breakdown of that, which is the magazine and which the books. Because depending on what book they're talking about, now if it's, say, an antique and you're trying to get some information, I can see that. But let's say you hmm. get a book and you're like, oh, modern routers. Oh, this is cool. Look at this. And then you go to the store and you're like, I would like this one router uh that model hasn't been sold in 30 years that book is really old Uh, my guess is everyone just like books came along for the ride on this one i think most people are responding to that one because it's magazines because yeah i mean you don't go to books really for um 
for tool recommendations unless you're looking <laughs> ge- generically which tools do I need to have to do woodworking. <laughs> right. Oh man, they've got a new issue out. Now I got to get it so I know which ma- which power tool to get. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So the next poll that we have coming up, you can actually go participate in that now. You can go participate in the old one if you want to. They're always open. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then this has to do with Father's Day, uh, keeping with the Father's Day theme. Did your dad influence your woodworking? <laughs> uh well it, in a way <laughs> sort of <laughs> sort of kind of uh he taught me not what not to do yeah. whatever he did i said i'm not doing that yeah on facebook i had a couple people like uh, i saw one person was like uh my dad's too busy drinking to do much of anything I'm like oh boy <laughs> there we go <laughs> you know? so if you have a good story uh, something interesting share that with us we'd like to hear about your your parental influences on your woodworking. Uh, I, I can say for me, no, my stepdad influenced my woodworking, not my um, biological father. Uh, but my stepdad taught me, you know, just the basics of swinging a hammer, how not to touch his radial arm saw because <laughs> <laughs> I'd get in trouble. Um, but, you know, just some of the basics that piqued my interest and, and primarily showed me that just regular people can do stuff. You know, like the the sort of DIY mentality that, wait a minute, I don't have to hire somebody to change out an electrical outlet or swap out some, you know, case molding around a door or, or window or something. You know, like just that mindset that this is all doable if I just ask the right questions and look at the right, you know, books. So, yeah, I can thank my stepdad for that, certainly. Yep. Nope. For certain with me, I would look at stuff my dad did and went, someday I'm going to learn how to undo that. <laughs> someday I'm going to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's move into kickback. And uh, the only one we have here is directly from our website. This is from Sean Graham. You've heard us talk about him in the past. I think we referenced a pop woodworking article that he wrote on their website. Yep. Uh, from what? Worth, worth effort woodworking? Yes, that's right. Yeah, we got it right this time. Usually it's like, wait, worth with yeah, worth woodworking? The, I've, worth. I've been practicing, so I got it down. Okay, good. All right. This is in response to Shannon's discussion about easy wood tools or the carbide tip tools versus traditional turning tools. Uh, Sean says, slightly misleading on what it takes to get into traditional wood turning concerning sharpening needs. Most turners I know use a simple slow speed grinder. Most people already have a Wolverine jig or something similar, which runs one to 150 and a stone for honing. Fast, easy, consistent, and cheap. As far as hand sharpening items like bowl gouges without a jig, if you don't want to invest in jigs, he says, I use uh, jigs a lot for bowls, but not spindles. Uh, About as complicated as sharpening a chisel without a jig. Just something you can learn to do. I was loaned an easy rougher and have used others with carbide tips to try out. My impression was it would get really expensive fast, especially if you turn harder woods like live oak or bodark. Works for me. Never heard of that. I think it's something from uh, Lord of the Rings. It does, yes. Bodark Woods from, okay, anyway. Uh, Urban stuff that occasionally has a nail, barbed wire, or bullets in it. I sharpen my gouges several times on most bowls and once more right before that last cut. I'm constantly honing my skews and spindles to maintain sharpness. Hence, you could go through three sides of a cutter in one hard wood bowl or spindle if you know what a sharp edge does. Biggest advantage I see of carbide tips is that someone doesn't have to learn something that's just wrong-minded. They have their place, but why would you want to? Why would you not want to spend an hour or so learning a new skill in a hobby? Uh, and Shannon, I don't. He again, he's out of town, so I don't think he commented on that. But I know you left a comment and replied to that. Do you want to just? I don't know if it was a rebuttal so much as a clarification on your part. Yeah, well, for me, the the one the comment about the uh, it. it the you know the biggest advantage I see of carbide wait no that's not the one uh, just the whole thing about learning the, the new skill and yeah. 
kind of being wrong minded that it's just super easy to get into it. I, I agree. It's it's important to learn the skills that we can for woodworking just to make things that much easier or more importantly even that much safer depending on what it is. Uh, the one problem I have with it is I am such an infrequent turner even though I am starting to delve more into it. For me, I, I have traditional turning tools and I have sharpened them and I get decent results with them. I'm happy with them. I can always improve it. But what I really like about these carbide tools or the carbide inserts is that that barrier to entry is so much lower yeah. and I can get it, I can get into it. I can get it done really quick because I don't have a lot of time on weekends and nights to do a lot of this stuff. So I would love to be able to spend more time learning how to sharpen these things. But if I spend so much time learning how to sharpen it, even if learning it makes it go faster somewhere down the road, I just like the idea that I can get out to the tool, get out to the, the lathe and get something done just that much quicker without that much more effort. So yeah, yeah. if down the road I decide that I really do need to learn the skill as Sean is, is talking about, uh, absolutely, then I will devote my time to it. But for me at this point right now, having these uh, these insert tools, just it's just so much easier to get out there and have fun. Well, realistically, when you look at the, what is common about you know not having to learn something, that's a little bit of a pessimistic way of saying it's easier. Right. There are things where progress is made, new tools come out, stuff becomes easier. And, you know, just like I don't have to know certain amounts of calculus because calculators will do that for me. Right. You know go. what I mean? So there's two ways to look at it. Yes, it's it's uh, it, it does mean that I don't have to necessarily learn something, but at the same time, it's just easier. And if our mm -hmm. goal is to get more people turning and more people in the craft, make it easier. And for those that want to dig in a little bit deeper, go ahead. You know, it's like I would never discourage someone from using pocket screws, for instance, uh, which, uh, as most of us know, it's sort of, you know, a lot of people don't think that that, that belongs in fine woodworking. I'm not stating that opinion. I'm just saying that opinion is out there. Yeah, um, we should have an episode <clears throat> about that. Well, didn't we already? I think yes. we did. Okay. <laughs> so if someone does that, though, can't they eventually move on to the finer stuff and then become a better craftsman because that's what they wanted to do? They don't exactly. have to. They don't have to, but they can. And it was the pocket screws that made it easier. Not that it said, oh, I don't want to I don't want to learn that. It's like, no, I want it to be easy so I have success and then I'll get into the the more difficult stuff. And then to me, I'm the same way. That's how I feel about the uh, easy wood tools. And even after having some turning skill, and I have done turning with regular turning tools, although I, I don't do much turning, um, but I did learn the basics. I just really like the carbide tips better. You know, it's yep. faster, it's easier. And for the amount of turning I do, I don't, you know, turn a bunch of uh, stuff like he's recommending with super, super hardwoods, you know, so I'm in a, a different category of usage. For me, I just know that I go there, that, that, that one end is always sharp. And as soon as it's not, I just flip it and have another exposed side. So, you know, just different opinions there. I'm glad Sean was able to chime in with his thoughts. And I, we mentioned it before, he runs a school. So his perspective on this, he sees a lot of students come through uh, and wants to see them learn the right way, you know, the classic way to turn. Yep. Uh, and learn a new skill. So, yep. And I plan on coming down sometime, Sean. So maybe you can show me that. There you go. Cool. Thanks, Sean. Uh, let's move into a voicemail that we have here. A uh, question from Josh concerning some sweet, sweet pallet wood that he found. Ooh. Hey, uh, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is uh, Josh. And uh, I recently picked up a um, couple of pallets out of the trash. And after taking a hand plane to the runners or the bottom parts of the pallet um, and investigating online, um, just from going off the pictures, it seems that I have some uh, spalted maple. Um, with and after doing research and found it, I found it on Wikipedia that um, there's black lines going through it, and it's called zoning lines, I guess. Um, 
So I'm just wondering what I could do, what kind of projects I could make out of it. I don't have a lathe or anything, um, but I'm just wondering what kind of projects I could do, I could make on them, make um, from that wood. And that would really do the wood justice because I was originally thinking of making my bench top or my bench legs from them, and I'm definitely not going to use that uh, wood for that. So I'd appreciate your feedback if you could give me some kind of project ideas that I could um, use the wood for. So um, appreciate your your show, and I love listening to your podcast. And uh, um, talk to you guys later. Take care. So spalted maple from a pallet. That's a find, huh? Yeah, no kidding. What's the chance of that? That's pretty sweet. Yes. Although definitely. it is just, I mean, let's get serious. Spalted wood is just fungusy wood. <laughs> it's mold that's <laughs> like mold and fungus that's... Uh, yeah. so there's the a chance, Josh, in- that it was sitting in a giant pile of water for several days. <laughs> it's just it's just a rotted uh, Douglas fir. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, if it is and he's got, if he's got what he thinks he has, well, good, man. That's fantastic. Great find. Um, yeah, no, so, absolutely. So how do you feel about this concept of of, you know, give me a project, like tell me what to make with it. Cause for me personally, if you have a gem of a board, you've got something really special. Uh, the worst thing you could do is shoehorn it into something that you don't even need or want just because you want to use the material. I, I totally agree with you. The first thing I think of is something highly figured, something like with a spalted. Yeah, I'm going to wait for like the perfect thing that needs like a really gorgeous accent wood in it. Yeah. That's just, you know, you want it to be the centerpiece of that piece of furniture or, or whatever project you're working on. You just really want it to pop. Yeah, That's totally. where I think about stuff like that. Like a small jewelry cabinet, maybe uh-huh. book match them, uh, resaw them and book match a nice little panel for the door or something like that. So, I mean, there's so many projects out there and I, I would hate for someone to just utilize the material to get it used. So hang on to it. It's probably not a ton of stock. Put it up against the wall, leave it rough. And when you're ready and you've got a special project in mind, then pull it out. You know, you've got that in your back pocket. Um, But think in terms of like, what do you need? What do you need in your home? Do you have a significant other or family members that you could build stuff for? You want to make something really special? Then go for it. But I, I don't think you should really necessarily just look for an excuse to use it. Because you might wind up using it and regretting it because you, you, you know, make something you don't really need or something that's not going to stick around. So you won't be yeah. able to enjoy it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Just, yeah. Wait until that perfect one comes along. But then don't also, when a perfect one comes along or a near perfect one, go, oh, well, this one's not perfect enough. <laughs> Just not good enough. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's the other side of it, right? I've got so many boards that I'm holding on to for that perfect project and I build it up in my mind and then no project is good enough for it. Yeah, I can see you on your deathbed. You'd be like, oh, the spalted maple. I should have used the maple. Oh. Yeah, that's uh, one of our regrets, right? So yeah, and the other thing is if you are looking for project inspiration, look no further than Google. I mean, just do some searches on small furniture projects or small home accessories. Don't even think about necessarily getting plans. Just think about stuff you know that people yes. might want in their home. Find some good you know catalogs with with things in them. Go to Pinterest. Obviously, oh, yeah. Pinterest, Pinterest has like yes. a buttload of stuff, uh, woodworking inspiration, and find something. You may go, oh, you know what? We'd love to have one of those in our house, and then you'll be able to uh, to showcase it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's move into our email, and I've got one here. This is another fun one. Uh, this is from Eric. He says, my father-in-law just sent me a message asking, how much would you want to refinish this gate leg table? This would be my first refinish, but I've seen Mark's video. So what the heck? I said, I can definitely do it, but I really have no idea what to charge. How would you go about figuring that out when it comes to something new to you or your father-in-law asking? 
That's an interesting dilemma, right? We've all been there. Oh God, my my, my mother in law does this to me once in a while, and yeah, I I totally am just like, all right, Mark, what's the answer? Yeah, <laughs> here we go. Uh, the answer is, as always with this stuff, there is no right answer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think you first. My recommendation is to figure out where you stand. No matter what you decide to charge for this, it is always interesting to know what kind of time and what kind of money you have invested in the project, just so you know where you stand. So track your hours, you know, and if it's something that takes 15 hours, decide what your hourly rate is. That's only something, you know, that you can answer. If this is a hobby or a side thing that you do, you may not necessarily charge 50, 60, $100 an hour. Uh, you may charge $10 an hour because that's how you value your time. But at least once you do that, you can then do the math and say, well, I have about, you know, $1,000 invested in this project for the amount of time that it took. Uh, of course, track the materials. If you're going to use a chemical stripper, sandpaper, any kind of consumables, things like that, track those as well. And then when it's all said and done, you've got a number, right? And that number is in your head. And you could say, you could then ask yourself a series of questions like, how much do I like this person? That is always like one of the first questions I ask when somebody goes, hey, will you build something for me? I'm like, hold on. I got to get my calculator out. Now you fit on here, charge times 10. (laughs) Yeah, you have to have some kind of likability factor that you multiply all of your numbers by. So, I mean, this is your father-in-law. How much do you like your father-in-law? Do you want to give him a good deal? Do you want to do it for free? You know, so if if my mother-in-law asked me to do something, for instance, I would not be able to charge her. But I also also may not take the job, you know, because of that. Well, that's when you get into this, this when it's family, there, there is a very tight rope that you walk with that one. But mm-hmm. one thing that for sure that I think is really important was when it comes to family, you shouldn't hesitate to charge them a very similar price that you might uh, other people because it's amazing then how suddenly family are like, oh, my gosh, he makes stuff that's so beautiful and it costs next to nothing. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And here's on, and that walks me perfectly into question number two. Ask how much do you want to encourage more requests like this? Mm-hmm. Because if you do it real cheap and you do a great job, Matt's absolutely right. You will get more requests for either from the same person or from other family members. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it gets a little bit funny to ask yourself these questions, but it's absolutely true. Do you want to get a lot of these requests? If not, discourage it. And discouraging it may, may be simply saying, look, I don't want to charge you but I don't have time to do this. And the person might say, well, look, I'll give you this much. Is it worth it if you do it for that much? And you say, yes, because it is, or maybe it isn't. So, okay. So how much do you like the person? How much do you (laughs) want to encourage more requests like this? Uh, And then the third thing to consider is how much do you love the process or are you getting some kind of valuable experience from it? So if you've never refinished or you've never built that particular project, perhaps it's a stepping stone for you. And now that this person wants it, it's a great learning opportunity that you don't feel like you need to charge for, you know, and you let them know, say, Hey, this is my first time building this. I'm not going to charge you anything, um, but I'm going to take my time with it. It's going to be a learning project for me when it's done, it's done. And uh, it'll be all good. You know? So, and I think minimally, if you do feel inclined to charge, Start looking at your actual cash output. And what I like to do is if I am going to charge someone, and most of the time if it's family, I'm not. uh, But if I am, I'd like to at least break even. So my sacrifice is that I'm not spending... I'm not spending any money here. My sacrifice is my time. That's Mm -hmm. something that I could donate for a family member. So if I spent... Uh, 20 bucks on finish and $10 on sandpaper and, you know, a a can of uh, stripper uh, to get all the finish off of it. I could total those up and say, look, just reimburse me for those things. Everything else is on me. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for at cost. I think for family, that's one of those things that 
at least in my family, I think it's almost expected that if you're going to charge me, you know, almost close to nothing, at least, you, you know, I'm going to pay for the materials because you're doing me the big favor by yeah. creating this for me. Well, and chances are, and I don't know, everybody's family and these individuals are very different, but I know with people in my family, if I said, oh, I'm not, don't worry about it, I'm not going to charge anything for it, they would insist. And, mm-hmm. and it, it might not be enough, like it might not be what I would charge a stranger, but the gesture is there. Right. You know, and a lot of people know you don't get anything for free. And I at least like to make them feel good about like, hey, thank you for doing this. Here's, you know, 50 bucks. Here's 100 bucks, whatever it is. Um, So if you ask yourself those questions, I really think you're going to you're going to know a lot more about how you want to handle the situation and and what you want to happen from here on out. Um, That to me, that's at least a decent guideline and a starting point. Well, you know, the the one thing about. So let's say perhaps you did build this for your father-in-law and you uh, charged him a low price, maybe just materials. And, of course, he starts bragging about how awesome it is and the other commissions potentially roll in. People start asking for it. When you, One thing that I've done this once or twice in the past with family and friends is like one of those. If, if you do this, and I appreciate that you do this talking about my awesomeness, uh, please don't discuss the price because right. I would like to be able to – you know, make something off of this. This was a one-off. You get the prototype. So if it falls apart, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but if if it does turn into anything else, I, I would like to be able to potentially, you know, make a little money off of it. Uh, or if it's a, another family member, maybe I'll give it to them at cost. But let's let's keep the price on the low. Just tell them like it was awesome. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing too is when I started doing woodworking professionally, that's when all of the requests stopped. Now, and you would think like, okay, I have more time to do this stuff. Maybe I would be getting more requests, but eventually because I needed to discourage it, I can't work for free. There's only so many hours in the day. And as much as I'd love to build stuff for family all the time, I just couldn't justify doing it. I needed paying customers. So I actively discouraged family. And then my, my family, like my close family actively discouraged extended family from asking me all these crazy things to build them because they want them cheap and they want them better than what they can get in a store. And I, how, how am I supposed to run a business that way? Exactly. Um, so it was really only when I was doing this as a hobbyist that a lot of those family requests were coming in and I had trouble answering these questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. It is, it is such a, a tight rope to walk when it comes to stuff like that. Sure is. All right, dude, you're up. All right. Well, hey, this question came in from Rich and Rich says, I have a question regarding dados. I'm building a shoe storage bench with multiple compartments and I'm using plywood and cut dados to hold the pieces that each partition for each individual cubby. Now, I finished cutting all the dados and during the dry assembly, I discovered they ended up one sixteenth of an inch too small, as in too narrow. So I'm still trying to figure out exactly what varied between my test cuts and the final cuts. But my question is, what do I do now? I initially cut the dados on my radial arm saw with this dado stack, which I have to tell you, Rich, just put a chill down my spine. But <laughs> Hey, Norm did, it. Norm did it all the time. Yep, still, I had to walk out of the room every time it happened. Settle down. <laughs> so he goes on to say, and that's why your father, your stepfather did not want you touching the radial <laughs> That's arm, true. Because <laughs> he knew eventually you'd have a co-host who would have a chill down his back <laughs> thinking about go. it. So anyways, he goes on to say, uh, but I'm worried about accurately cutting one sixteenth of an inch on multiple dados. I have a table saw and a router that I could use to remove material, but was wondering if you have any tricks for an accurate and repeatable way to enlarge dados. Maybe any hand tool options that would do the trick? So, Rich, so when it comes to these narrow dados, I have once or twice had something very similar happen. And I love cutting dados on my table saw. I just love loading up that stacked table, table ugh, stacked dado head cutter. Stop, blah, 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 blah. 
the stop it, and I like to load that up, and then I'll make all of my cuts from there. Uh, but when it comes to something where I have to potentially widen that gap a little bit, that the size of that dado, that's when I'm going to break out the router. I feel like I have more control in that scenario because. If I were to do it on my table saw, once again, load up the stack dado and maybe bump the fence over a little bit, the, the dado is on the part, it's going to be like facing the table, so I can't actually see it. So that would potentially, depending on the size of the component that needs to have that dado wi- widened a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, I've got to try and, and fudge around with it and figure out, okay, where is it lining up exactly with the teeth of the dado blade? Do I have that? It's not impossible. I have actually done it once or twice. But for me, speed-wise and just my own mind of like not having to constantly double-check and triple-check and quadruple-check, breaking out the the, uh, router with a nice straight edge and then being able to like really eyeball where that cutter edge would land on the line to widen that dado, just for me, visually, I can see it faster and I feel like I could – if something were to go wrong, it turns out I am over just a little bit more – because I can see it exactly where it is, I can stop the router and potentially start to correct my mistake before it becomes an even bigger mistake. There you go. So that's that's my preferred <laughs> method is to use the router and a straight edge and just kind of sneak up on it. Is there a hand tool version? There sure is. There's a, um, there's a hand plane, uh, and I happen to have one, and I have never tuned it up. <laughs> it's just sitting up there <laughs> looking really, really pretty. And the whole purpose of this hand plane, and I know Shannon would know, it's like the side dado or, or router thingy or something. I can't remember. It's uh, Veritas sells one, and there's a, a Stanley old version that's just really sweet. In fact, actually, I think Lee Nielsen might have one too. And the whole purpose of this is it kind of stands upright, and you just simply start shaving away a little bit at the dado's shoulder uh, on the interior there. And you I can think get I, it. I think I got one of these too. When we used to work with Lee Valley for advertising yes. for Wood Talk, I'm pretty sure we both got one of those. We did. Yeah. It's kind of a small thing. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like it's the size like of a credit blades. card. Yes, it is. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you got to like stand it up on its edge and balance it. And it's got a little fence to hold it in place. But with a 16th of an inch, that's a lot more material than I think I'm going to try and sneak up on with this. Cause this plus tool, it's, it's plywood too. Yeah. Well, there you go too. Yeah. Well, you can, you can do uh, uh, hand tools on, on plywood. No, you definitely uh, can, but it's going to be a little bit more of a pain in the butt. It is. You're right. You're <laughs> absolutely right. It probably would tear out potentially, but I mean a 16th of an inch that definitely the hand tool version, the hand plane for this is really about finessing it with very small shavings at a 16th of an inch. That doesn't sound huge, but it's pretty huge. <laughs> it's substantial enough. Yes. Yeah. So I, I would definitely be going, uh, like I said, the, the router, maybe the table saw, but I for sure like the router. Um, I'm going to suggest something on the other end of the scale, and it will be a hand tool method. Ooh. If I were in the situation with all of those dados just a little bit shy Instead of messing, uh, dinking around with the dado, I would go to the partition pieces. And, oh, yes. Yeah, and I would mark up if, uh, if you know, maybe they're going in a quarter inch deep or three-eighths into your pieces. Uh, mark a line so I know exactly where not to go beyond. And I would then take a block plane or whatever, doesn't matter what it is, and I would just take a couple passes on both sides of each of the vertical partitions, and you're actually going to create something of a slight taper. And it'll end up being a very snug fit, but you just have to be gentle with it. Uh, You're going across the grain, so you do want a nice sharp blade and hold the the plane at a skew angle, but work it down just a little bit on each side. And that means if you're doing both sides, while a 16th is a lot, uh, you're only doing a 32nd on both sides in order to get this thing to fit properly. 
Um, and I, it might take a little bit of a time, but it's going to be way easier. And you could be absolutely sure that each one of those partitions is dead on tight. And you'll never be able to tell that you had to do that work once everything is in the dado and glued up. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. That is that. That's a great technique to use. Actually, yeah, yeah I perfect. Like, I like that way way better than than dinking around with a sixteenth on each one of those dados. Oh yeah, no, I could totally see that. that. Dang that it, Darren, I wanted to disagree with you, but okay. I want to. I thought you, you were. Gonna, I thought you were going to say like, <laughs> come in, come in with. This is what Shannon would do. Come in with a uh, straight edge and then take a sharp chisel and just go down the line <laughs> one hit at a time. Yeah, it's so easy. You can if you can see the line, you can uh, chisel to the line. There you That's go. Or actually, the more I think about it, as much as we're joking around with it, maybe if we did set up a straight edge, you could easily take a, uh, a panel saw, bump it up against the straight edge, and then just now start cutting into it, and you can remove it that way. Dang it, Shannon is getting to us, even though uh, he's not here. Shannon, uh, get out of our brains. I knew I shouldn't have listened, watched any of those hand tool shows. <laughs> Stupid hand tool school. Oh. All right. Well, if you want to support our show here, you can do so. Just set up a recurring donation or even a one-time donation by going to woodtalkshow.com and looking over in the side column, clicking one of those links, and uh, we appreciate that support. You could also go get yourself a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com and participate in the Wood Talk Show giveaway. That's woodtalkshow.com slash giveaway. You can, uh, if you have some spare time, give us a little clicky-clicky, go to iTunes and look us up, click on ratings and reviews for our show, and leave us a little uh, five-star rating there, if you don't mind, just like Fishbone, not the band, just the guy or a girl. Oh, I was like, whoa! Just a person named Fishbone34, who says, great show, polished and well-produced. Well, and uh, also our show or fishbone show fishbone yeah they're they're a little sloppy uh <laughs> this is this is a good one kid sensation 2953 says i like liver i like chicken meow mix please deliver meow 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 now i think he might have had that backwards i think it's i like chicken i like liver meow mix please deliver <laughs> and here's the it, reason it, why uh okay i'm sure that was an old meow mix commercial but this is what i thought of din din I want chicken. I want liver. Meow mix, meow mix. Please deliver. <laughs> okay, you know what that is, right? Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go with that one. I mean, that is totally that, that everything that he just said. That's that's what I remember now. There we go. All right. So reviews like that. You want to leave us a review? We'll probably read it on the show. The 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 dumber it is, the more chances uh, that we'll actually read it. <laughs> that is awesome. I love those. We go. have the best listeners ever we really do uh i can honestly say that all right matt how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here all right hey folks do you have a comment question or topic suggestion do you really like these episodes when shannon's gone i know he doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you have several different ways to contact us leave us a voicemail on skype our username is wood talk online call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com or you can leave us a comment on our wood talk facebook page and if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com so when uh when shannon got off of the plane in austria you think he got off the plane and said good day mates uh, no, he wouldn't. Yeah, he would. He would do that. <laughs> oh, yes. that's 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 not Austria. That's Australia. Okay, I got it. Oh yeah, it's a different different thing. Uh, yeah, well, I, uh, shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See ya.